Hannah, I think we should make it our mission in 2021 to get JT on the podcast. Oh, yes. So for those of you who listen every episode, she's made a couple appearances. JT being our mom. Yes. Just to be clear. Her name yes. is her name is JT. Yes. And she is maybe my favorite person to appreciate yet make fun of at the same time. Earlier today we were playing a board game. It was a, a musical based board game where you had to say lyrics and and basically you're trying to guess artists. And my mom wrapped Palm Sweaty, Mom Spaghetti for Eminem. And it was maybe one of the greatest moments of my life. She said before she did it, I don't know if this is the right artist. And then she, I think, thought she had to hum it because all of a sudden she went, mm, Palm Sweaty, Mom Spaghetti. <laughs> she also, her word to get distinguish Ed Sheeran was ginger. <laughs> she just said ginger. And we got it. We did get Ed Sheeran, so she did a good job. But there are so many interactions between her and us that are amazing. <laughs> I just think of, um, I mean, there's so many, but my mom is definitely where I get my word flubbing from. She one time said that she had gotten Kegel hot dogs. <laughs> Um, the Kogel, the, the, like, the brand of hot dogs. She said, I have, I got the Kegel hot dogs. And me and Hannah just looked at each other in, in shock. And we immediately started laughing because I, I, generally I can hold it in pretty well. (laughs) She says things like that a lot where I'm just like, what? Like, she one time said, oh yeah, I, I, um, she was visiting a friend and she was like, yeah, they have, uh, hookah. And I was like, you're doing hookah? She's like, yeah, you know, hookah TV. Um, it's like a, a, t- a smart TV. And I was like, Roku? And she's like, yeah, yeah, Roku. And I'm like, okay, because I'm like, my hookah is smoking. Like, I, I don't think you're you're doing hookah up north. Maybe you are. Uh, good for you if you are. But I'm like, that's not what you're talking about. But yeah, I would love to have her on a podcast. My thought process is our mom loves Christmas. Like, she loves Christmas more than the average person should like Christmas. So I think maybe we can get her on that. Can we, like, lure her into it somehow so she doesn't even know she's on a podcast? Maybe. Because she certainly come in and just started talking and ended up on our podcast. Yeah. Although she did be like, she's like, are you recording? Is it live? She doesn't understand what a podcast is. No, she thinks it's like a radio show. Where we have, like, a live recording and it, like, goes out to people. Like, we're essentially broadcasting live. Yeah, I don't think she understands that we, like, edit it and post the episodes to streaming platforms. You know, she doesn't have Spotify. She doesn't use Pandora. She doesn't use, like, iHeartRadio or Google. She doesn't do podcasts, so I don't really think she knows how it works. I think it's a blessing, though, because God forbid she ever listens to some of these episodes. If she heard some of our episodes, I think she would have a heart attack and die. Probably. Yeah. She would not be happy. But yeah, she's definitely like, I literally probably text Alyssa about her once every couple weeks, just about something she said or done. Yeah. I I sent you one recently. Oh, um, I texted you on Saturday, last Saturday. I said, mom just said Russian roulette instead of roulette. And I was dying. Yes. And I had to hold it in and I just I just had to text you about it. 
Yeah. So that's where I get it from. But I think if maybe we lure in with some, like, Christmas-themed things, she might join us. Maybe we just bring her on for, like, a 10-minute segment. Yeah, just a little segment. She can just gush about Christmas. Yeah. You know, talk about her, her Christmas decor or love of ornaments or baking. I don't know. Or superb gift wrapping abilities. Gift wrapping. You know, maybe we can just, like, have her talk about things and not tell her it's being recorded. I think Michigan's a one-party recording state. <laughs> you think? She'll never know. She'll never she can't know. find it. They're gonna know. They'll never know. She'll never know. She'll never know. This is Research Ranker Pete. Did we even introduce ourselves? No, <laughs> we didn't. Oh my god. No, because we just started talking. Can't believe we we forgot to introduce ourselves in the first episode. Um, hello, this is Research Ranker Pete. I am one of your co-hosts. <laughs> I'm a host. She's a host. That's ho-host Alyssa and this is ho-host Hannah. And we're back with our part two discussion of the twilight series i can't believe we forgot to introduce ourselves in part one we were just so excited to get into twilight we were so excited but here we are we're back and we'll continue on with our discussion all right let's get into eclipse ah eclipse eclipse (laughs) so eclipse was released in 2010 it is rated PG-13, again, and is two hours and three minutes long. So, this movie was directed by David Slade because the director from New Moon was still working on production, you know, post-production mm-hmm. stuff from the movie and didn't think he would have enough time, so he declined to be the director for the third movie. The screenplay, again, was by Melissa Rosenberg. So, the director had previously claimed he wouldn't go anywhere near the franchise, but then backtracked to say that it was just a joke for his comedy set. But you know, money makes you do things you say you wouldn't do. What I want to talk about is that the role of Victoria was recast for Eclipse. The original actress who played Victoria, I would, she like begged for this part. She wrote stephanie meyer this like letter and was like i would love to play victoria she did like rope training and trapeze training and and so what happened is she was filming another movie that would overlap a few days during production of eclipse and she did like a a q a for new moon and then like literally the next day she found out she had gotten recast and was like devastated and like didn't go to the premiere for new moon Oh, her name was um, Rochelle LaFerve, and so she was replaced by Bryce Dallas Howard, who initially was offered the role of Victoria, but turned it down because she didn't think the part was big enough. So, this movie had the biggest midnight opening until Harry Potter, Deathly Hallows Part Mm -hmm. 2 would come out. The score of this movie was composed by Howard Shore, who did the music for the Lord of the Rings franchise, which I thought was interesting. Nordstrom sold a fashion collection inspired by Alice and Bella's fashion. Alice, I get. Bella, you know. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah. So, and Burger King also had a campaign running about if you were Team Edward or Team Jacob. I, like, vaguely remember this. It grossed $693 million worldwide. It was the second highest grossing movie in the franchise. It had a Rotten Tomatoes score of 48%, Metacritic score of 50 out of 100, and it had mixed reviews. A quote from one of the reviewers said... If the first two movies were Get a Room, part three is Get a Therapist. And lastly, I would just like to, to say that um, Nikki Reed, who plays Rosalie, was said that most of her fight scenes from the end vampire fight were left out because the footage was overexposed and they couldn't reshoot. And I read a lot about her shooting those she said that they were like out in like the rain and the cold yeah. like night like for extreme hours doing these these different stunts right and, and they they did a lot of their own like stunts like outdoors yeah. and yeah so that's my my background on that movie and now i have a summary <clears throat> it's the third movie and three times more toxic in one of the worst overdramatic teenage love triangles in existence, will Bella choose an immortal limp dick vampire who breaks her car to prevent her from seeing her friends and is jelly of a fucking bracelet, or the dreamy hot werewolf who guilt trips her, kisses her against her will, and broods harder than Jess from Gilmore Girls Season 4. Oh, and there's a vampire army out for blood. This is the most notes I've ever written about a single podcast topic. I have never written the word TOXIC in all caps that encompasses more than one line before. If there's a movie from the series I don't remember much about, it was this one. And I'm surprised because of all the stuff that happens that I forgot about. Yeah, I had forgotten about you get Rosalie's backstory, Mm -hmm. you get Jasper's backstory, and... Here's what's hard for me. This movie has the most toxic relationships out of any of the movies in the franchise, but I think the movie is well done. I think it's a well done movie, but it's it's so offset by how horrible these relationships are. I was losing my mind watching this movie. I was on my couch drinking wine, watching this, and a couple of times I had to like stop and like tell my roommate and i'm like here's what's happening like it's Mm -hmm. ridiculous i'm so conflicted because i loved getting jasper and rosalie's backstories yeah i absolutely loved those scenes i loved rosalie and bella finally getting a moment together and i loved kind of hearing rosalie's perspective because the first two movies or she's not really in the second movie much but the first movie she's kind of seen as like cold and like Distant. Not to be like, because vampires well, are cold. Yeah. But she's well, she's like this like stuck up bitchy right, girl right. is what she's portrayed as. And you basically learn that like she doesn't want Bella to have to lose her morality and and yeah. to lose being a human because Rosalie says she wishes she could still be that. Yeah. And I think I agree with you. I think it's maybe one of the better done movies of the series as a whole, but it's just so hampered by the fact that I, it almost like felt like sick at times because it's just, I did too. There were so many issues. Jacob, who I thought last movie was like a pretty respectful guy. Like I understand that he, that Bella's kind of 
playing him yeah, a little bit, a but little bit, you gotta but also understand that if she's saying no, like you, you can't. don't, you can't kiss her against her will if she's saying no. If she, her response to you kissing her is punching you in the face, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. The guilt tripping, the fact that he's like, I'd rather you be dead than be a vampire. Edward breaking her car so she can't go see her, like, go see Jacob. That is maybe one of the most, like, fucked up That is one of the most controlling things. I didn't remember that. I had to pause when that happened and go back and make sure I understood that, but... Yeah. I just, I don't know how to feel about this movie. And when I was ranking it, I had such a hard time because I said, you know, if I'm just looking at the movie... Yeah. I think it's good, but it's so dragged down by the fact that it's just, it's so damn toxic. It's, and then the fact that Edward is jealous of a bracelet. Yeah. He is so jealous of this bracelet. Also, okay, so I have this problem with the fact that Edward is portrayed as this, like, traditional christian values man you know he's from a different era so things are done differently and it's like there's a real weird obsession with bella's virginity Mm -hmm. in this movie and it continues into the next movie where it makes me uncomfortable how many people I mean, yeah, she has the awkward sex talk with her dad, which I actually really liked. Yeah. He's just like, I just want to make sure you're being safe, blah, blah, blah. But I don't like this idea that it's, like, makes Bella seem in the wrong and Edward's the the moral high ground here and, like, well, we have to be married first. Mm -hmm. Like, if you want me to take away your humanity, a.k.a. have sex with you, I need to be married to you first. And there's nothing wrong with that like people who choose to do that there's nothing wrong with that but it's like the undertones are there and it just i don't like that that is what's being portrayed Mm -hmm. because again this is a (laughs) this is a movie series for teenage girls Mm -hmm. or it was like you know the books and movies are for the like teenage girls and i just don't like this idea that there's this really weird emphasis on like her virginity and i just feel like that's outdated and we don't need that anymore it shouldn't be anyone's business yeah i don't know that made me uncomfortable watching it as an adult i found i wrote that this movie makes me hate relationships (laughs) um yeah there's a lot more making out in this movie than any other movie yeah and i mean again like charlie I loved him and Alice, yeah. like, chatting oh together, God. being yes. friends. I wish we Me got more too. Charlie Alice. Um, I love Charlie standing up when Bella graduated. Yeah. Him, and, him, his reaction when he punches Jacob in the yeah. face. Like, And I just love the fact that he's concerned for Bella and he notices that there's issues with a relationship and yeah. it being controlling. I, I like that he points that out. I also really hate this, like, damsel in distress trope. Yeah. Because then it... It's the conflict for why Edward and Jacob are at odds, because it's protecting Bella. She has to be protected. She can't protect herself. She can't keep herself warm. She can't keep herself safe. Her idea of being the the hero is stabbing herself with a knife to distract with her blood. And I'm like, I get it. But also, it just, I don't know, that that trope, I hate it. Yeah. Myself. There's a vampire army. It's a thing. I mean, it exists. I don't care anything about it. 
you know, they put more emphasis on it in the movies than they do in the books. You don't get any background before they show up or before you know about Alice's vision that they're showing up. Um, I guess I never read the, the vignette of like Brie, but I guess a lot of those scenes came from there. I don't know. This I have a lot of mixed feelings about about this one. Yeah, it's interesting because I barely wrote anything about the last like 20 minute yeah. fight sequence because right. it's just all you can focus on. I think it's just the relationships, but I would like to say there was also a lot of really funny stuff in this movie. There was. I just want to give best humor movement for the punch. Yes. She punches him in the face and she she goes like <gasps> and just the facial expressions and the fact that if you look Taylor Lautner is literally laughing because mm-hmm. they couldn't get a take without him laughing because it was so ridiculous. I yeah. just I think it's so funny. Yeah, let's just get into Yep. Uh, worst vampire moment is Edward with the truck. <laughs> I'm just saying it. I would just like to say that is accurate. This is the movie I was talking about where I thought about just putting just Edward existing. What I picked though, because I I can't get over how ridiculous it is, is when all the vampire army emerge from the water Mm -hmm. like they think they're the hot shit like they're cursed pirates from the black pearl we don't need that again it was way cooler when the skeletons were walking underwater and emerged you know but i otherwise edward just him yes and my favorite line it was kind of the way it was delivered is when jacob tells charlie that um he kissed bella and he said i kissed bella then she broke her hand punching me in the face face. and there's charlie's facial expressions that whole time too my line I had to pick it because it's the delivery of Bella saying, Jacob, kiss me when she's trying to get him to stay because he's like, I'm going to go die. And she's like, Jacob. Yeah, can we talk about that really quick? Yeah. Toxic. She. I don't know because I don't know how to feel. I feel almost feel bad for Jacob because she's kind of playing with his emotions. But I think she's just scared that he'll go and do something stupid. But yeah, I don't I didn't remember that. That she I, kissed him. I remember that. I, didn't remember, I remember that. that because it was like he essentially guilt trips her into kissing him. You know? I know, so I don't and know she'll why. She'll do it because she wants him yeah, to live. Yeah. Okay, let's let's move on. And then he breaks about. all his bones, so I don't feel bad. That is true. <laughs> um. So honestly, I did not think the CGI was as bad in this movie. I didn't think so either. I noticed there was one scene that looked like green screen, yeah. pretty bad, and then when Edward bit Victoria's head off, it was a mm. bit, you know, yeah. but. I think it was improved. Yeah. It gets worse, but... Yeah, yeah it does get worse. <laughs> I think out of all the movies that maybe had the best CGI overall. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, the one I picked was when the Cullen family is, like, running after Victoria. Just some of the running. Not necessarily the CGI, but just, like, some of the... <laughs> I sent you that one meme of, like, the people's, mm-hmm. like, run. Like, how they run and just, like, <laughs> yeah. just being, like... <laughs> yeah. So, it's just, like, the running looked silly. Because, you know, they're, like, on treadmills running right. in the forest while it's being pulled. Yeah, so it's just, like, a... It just looks silly to me. And then my favorite song, um, it was during the training scene when they were training mm-hmm. on how to fight newborns. It's With You In My Head by Uncle. That was my runner-up. The one I picked is Let's Get Lost, which is the song that plays when Bella goes to get in her truck to go see Jacob and Edward dismantles her truck so she can't go but leading up to that scene there's this like kind of montage where she's reading a letter he wrote her and she's like going to her truck and i just really liked that dramatic bit going into it yeah yeah but that was a eclipse yeah oh okay okay let's move move on on. let's move on so now we get into part one of breaking dawn yeah because 
Breaking Dawn got the Harry Potter treatment and what would continue into Hunger Games where every last book just needs two full-length movies. And just like Harry Potter, the first movie is more boring than the second movie. But anyways, Hannah, get into it. Okay. Um, Breaking Dawn Part 1. It came out in 2011, rated PG-13, had a runtime of 2 hours, 4 minutes, a 4.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 25% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it uh, box office was $712 million. Um, don't have any specific background about the movie. Okay. Besides that. Okay. We should leave it at that. All right. I do have a summary, though. All right. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. The wedding bells are ringing as newlyweds Edward and Bella embark to a remote island for their honeymoon. Things take a tumble when Bella becomes pregnant with a vampire baby. <laughs> I don't think it makes sense. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't this funny when I wrote it. Okay. <laughs> think about dead dogs. <clears throat> Backs will be broken. In this film full of sex, inappropriate relationships, and the worst case of CGI I've witnessed in my life. <laughs> oh. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Pax I mean, will be broken yeah, in she more literally, ways than one. She literally breaks her back. Yeah. This movie's boring. It is so boring. So, so boring. When they said they were going to be making this movie two parts, I had a hard time believing it. Now, I completely understand why this had to happen, because there is no way they would have made a coherent movie with one part. Mm -hmm. It either would have to be, either you do one really long movie or you do two movies. But the problem is, is that all of the action, or at least the plot, comes in the second movie. So what you're left with is a wedding, a honeymoon a vampire baby and it's a lot of sitting and talking and sex and that's it that's the movie i would just like to make a comment that edward is apparently dexter (laughs) which i forgot about that he's a monster and basically he's like dexter where he kills the killers he was a serial killer serial killer exactly now cedric diggory died so that edward could jump into that Scrooge McDuck money pile so that Batman could fly, maybe, eventually. Because who knows when that movie's coming out. Where are the drugs? Where's Mitchell? Where is she? <laughs> I mean... I'm a vampire. <laughs> okay, I'm done now. <laughs> I'm done. I mean, it's... I felt... In some ways, Edward was a little bit less possessive. Yeah. He did let Jacob get a moment with Bella at their wedding. And then Jacob's very concerned with her virginity. And then Jacob kind of takes on the role of Edward. Yep. And tries to tell her what to do with her body, which, you know, we don't like that. I would just like to talk about the fact that this wedding is peak cottagecore vibes. Cottagecore has become a thing this past year. It's really in right now in both clothing and aesthetics, and this wedding is, like, that is that aesthetic. 
I also love the back of her wedding dress. Oh, the, the back is very beautiful. It's yeah, it's a very pretty dress. I thought the soundtrack for the wedding mm-hmm. was very well done. Like Seth is, is my favorite. Mm-hmm. He is just such a good boy. Yeah. I love to see Anna Kendrick get more and more snarky and sarcastic <laughs> and like herself yeah. in every movie. It's great. Yeah. I like Charlie again, him getting emotional. Yeah. I don't know why everybody got a speech randomly. The wedding waves, we had talked about that. There's the part where they're leaving the wedding and everybody's just like waving really weird. Like the extras didn't know how to move their hands. Yeah. To be truthful, I didn't write a lot just because I think not a lot happens. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, a lot of sex. I wrote a comment saying me trying to find a guy who can smash a headboard <laughs> while having sex with me. That's my life goals. That's your goal in life. That's my goal in life. Great awkward sex talk. There's a lingerie montage where she's trying to seduce him because he, he refuses to have sex with her. Because he's going to hurt her. And then... We get to this really interesting part where Bella becomes pregnant and Edward is like, we need to get this parasite out of you. And Bella's like, no, I want this baby. And you get this connection between her and Rosalie where she's like, I know Rosalie will be on my side with this. And truthfully, Rosalie's partly in it, I'm sure, for selfish reasons. Of course. Because she can't have I mean, kids. Of course. But... I have this weird problem where you could interpret this situation as one of two ways. The first way is that you can interpret it is that Bella, I mean the saying, essentially my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my body. I can choose what I want to do with it. I want this baby. That's my decision. But the other way you can interpret it is that this this viewpoint is like I don't know if it's pushing an anti-abortion agenda and I'm not saying that that's like the intention I'm conflicted on if I should be reading into this too much right and again because it goes back to the whole like the whole virginity like as an adult I'm like I don't know how to interpret this I mean it's hard because in this case Having a baby literally might kill her. Exactly. You know, so that's part of it. I mean, I I appreciate, because really out of everyone who voices their opinion, Rosalie is really the only one who's actually like supporting Bella's choice. Yes. Even Alice, who her and Bella are pretty close throughout the series, she says something about it. Edward tries to get Jacob to talk her out of it, which like... You know. Yeah, that's not gonna work. Yeah, I don't know. I'm maybe we are reading too much into it. I think we may be giving them too much credit. <laughs> I know Stephanie Meyer had tweeted some things about like teenage girls' sexuality, right? And you know, so I I don't know if that was an intentional undertone. I mean, are you cool with moving on to something else? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I would just like to mention the whole imprinting. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar, oh boy, and the werewolf, um, Tr- like tradition, tradition, and, yeah, and kind of their whole background is this idea of imprinting. Yes. So essentially, it's is it male and female wolf- werewolves? Because Leah can she imprint? I Do think so. Um, yeah. Basically, though, the descendants who are werewolves right. imprint on 
another person another person and essentially once you imprint that's kind of like it you're just with this person it's like i think what's described is it's like you become tethered to them like your world revolves around this person and you to be honest it's like an obsession right and now in the movie and the books it's portrayed as this bond this unbreakable bond but i can't help but feel that there are some real issues with the fact that a grown man or i mean i think he's supposed to be 17 imprints on a baby a literal baby a newborn just born baby and i i don't know what she was thinking because there is no way i can look at this and be okay with that even if it's not a sexual component I just don't like the idea that to make him relevant to this story, they had to do that so they could break this, like, love triangle bullshit thing. Is that why you think they have Renesmee age so quickly? Yeah. And then I think that's part once of it. she reaches a certain age, she essentially yes. is, like... An adult. An adult. Yeah. And... I think so. I mean, it's just... It's messed up. I... Yeah. It's not right. And also, like, I don't... Does the person who they imprint on, do they have a say? No. It's essentially like they're being in, like, a forced marriage. I know what they're trying to portray not as that, but, yeah, I just... Well, because that's, like, a plot point is Leah, she's the only um, female werewolf in this pack. She and Sam, who was the leader, were a couple, but he imprinted on this other woman, and so she has this talk with Jacob where she's like I don't want to be near him because the wolves also share thoughts so she's like it is unbearable having to feel what he feels for her and not in knowing that's not me and she was like I'd rather be have some form of happiness than be miserable Mm -hmm. over someone that I can't have I just don't understand how this got allowed in the movie like, I know it was part yeah. of the books, but oh yeah. my god. So, like, I know it wasn't really talked about. There's, like, a scene where they're on the beach, but one of the guys, like, imprinted on, like, a three or four-year-old. Yeah. And it was, like, a talk about... Th- I mean, they, like, made it clear that it was, like, he's, like, her big brother. Yeah, but it's not. But it's implied... The problem is, is that, sure, he's her big brother now, but it's, like, when she's of age... Yeah it will become romantic and that disturbs me because that's like a real grooming thing right where people have formed these bonds with young children and then groom them so then when they become of age they can have a relationship with them and i i don't know it's really hard for me to not be repulsed by that yeah for sure I completely forgot in this book, or well, in the book, there is a whole segment that is just from Jacob's perspective. And we get that in the movie, but it's not as apparent because because it's a movie you can show, like, Bella's perspective and you can show Edward's perspective. It's not just from Jacob's point of view. But I think it's, like, interesting that that he gets a, a big focus before, like her turning into a vampire bit right because we never really see things from jacob's point of view even in new moon where he's a big part of it it's always from bella's point of view right so it's interesting to see that and get a different dynamic but yeah i mean i just i i think the problem with this movie to me is it's just a lot of 
I don't know. There's there's not a lot of action to no. it, which you don't necessarily always need action, but it's just there's not much there. Yeah. I mean the she literally breaks her back. It was <laughs> it's a scene. Yeah. It's a pile driver. And then like, Edward literally bites the baby yep. out of her. Yes. Comes he does. up looking like he's just eating a bowl of Chef Boyardee. <laughs> Ravioli. He <laughs> had a sloppy joke. Yeah. And then we watch Jacob try to give oh. CPR to Bella. The baby names the baby names. EJ. EJ. Um my my initials EJ I said stands for <laughs> Ejaculate incarnate. <laughs> That's what I came up with. And then Renesme is. It's just so bad. And I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure babies have the, that name. I'm sure there are people who were born around this time period. These, this was coming out. And I'm sure there are young girls who are probably about 10 or 11 who have the name Renesme. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have such, such a shitty name. I don't know what to tell you. It's horrible. Oh, it's so bad. Ugh. Oh, I hate it. Anyway, um, let's move on. Okay. The CGI. It's the baby. <laughs> the baby CGI. I had forgotten how horrible the face is. And it is... <laughs> it's so bad. I don't understand. There's a... The worst CGI I'd ever seen before this is in <laughs> Princess Diaries 2. Where they have the airport and it looks like SimCity. <laughs> like, it's so fake CGI. I would... My pick would be the aliens from Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. It's pretty bad. Or the uh, backflip from Confessions of a Teenage <laughs> Drama Queen. That's but anyways, as well. it's so bad. It's... The face is horrible. Well, the fact that it goes from literally Edward holding this bloody baby right out of Bella to five minutes later, um, Rosalie holding it, and it's a completely different looking baby. The face, it was so bad. It's appalling. I was disturbed. (laughs) There was no contest. It's absolutely the worst CGI of the entire movie. Yes. Um, I changed worst vamp moment to worst werewolf moment. Okay. And it was when all the werewolves were talking in their wolf voices. Oh, yeah. On the beach. Yeah, it was and bad. When they're talking about killing Bella. Yeah, and it was just yeah. very not great. My worst vampire moment is when Edward bites through her, her body to get to a baby and comes out with a bloody mouth. Yes. It's pretty bad. Can't forget that. My favorite line was um, during the wedding, Anna Kendrick is looking at the cake and she said something about like, Oh, they! I would have thought they would have had a bigger cake, and it's yeah. like a twenty-tier cake. I just love her sarcastic comments. Um, so mine is also from the wedding. It's Charlie, and he's giving a speech, and he's like, "I'm a cop. I know things like how to hunt someone down, someone to the ends of the earth." And I was like, "Gives me real miscongeniality vibes." I would take them out. I would make them suffer so much they wish they were never born. And if they ran, I'd hunt them down. I would kill them. It gave me a real miscongeniality vibes, and I just liked it. So, yeah. Saul and I went with uh, Flightless Bird, American Mouth by Iron Wines, which we talked about already, but mm-hmm. it plays during the wedding scene. Yeah, they do a, um, there's a different version for the wedding, and I thought it was really well done. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. I, I picked that as well. Okay. Round okay. two. Oh, God. Breaking Dawn, part two. So, we have the second movie of the last book, released in 2012, PG-13, and apparently I did not write down the runtime, but I'm not going to look it up, so. 
almost the same as about two hours yeah about two hours okay. i think maybe a little bit under okay that's fine it doesn't we matter we don't need it's it. irrelevant the movie grossed 830 million dollars which was the highest grossing movie in the franchise mm-hmm. so interesting enough as we've learned from recasting victoria there were some ongoing negotiations for some of the actors for between part one and part two there were some actors who weren't confirmed to be in the second part of the movie summit had quote would not have minded recasting roles I know Alice and specifically Alice and Emmett's actors, they were under negotiations for like contract disputes and eventually everyone, they were able to get everyone on board and um, figured out how to resolve those issues. They considered filming the movie in 3D to differentiate after Bella's post-vampire, you know, like rebirth, but that was thankfully decided against. I don't think I've ever been so glad for a movie not being shot in 3D. So it received mixed reviews but it was more favorable than the first part. It had a 49% in Rotten Tomatoes, a 52 out of 100 on Metacritic, and most of the praise to the acting went to Michael Sheen, who plays Aro, which mm-hmm. we haven't talked about him yet, but I love him. From the Volturi. From the Volturi. He's great. We didn't even talk about the Volturi, but who really cares? We'll talk about it in this one. And um, Lee Pace, who played Garrett, who was the American like soldier vampire, mm-hmm. who had like the relationship with one of the blonde... Alaskan cousins yeah Yeah. and so the last thing I'd like to note is that in 2017 the CEO of Lionsgate stated that they had interest in creating spin-offs made for the saga and that they would present like they were on the writing table but I have not heard anything about any of these spin-offs and I hope to god they just let it be let it be let it be let it be whisper words of wisdom yeah let it be uses wisdom take your cash grab you got boatloads of money scrooge mcduck money you're good okay now it's time for a summary boring bella died so kristen stewart could actually have good vampire acting scenes she's immortal with her immortal husband her half-immortal baby, and her baby's werewolf? Not technically a pedophile, but maybe Stephanie Mayer should have rethought the imprinting subplot, friend. It's the perfect life, until Shannon got sick of the island from Lost and decided to snitch to the Volturi. It's going to be an all-out vampire war, with way too many characters and way too little screen time. Except spoilers, there's no conflict. I would just like to say that I think this is Kristen Stewart's strongest movie. I agree. There was a lot of um, critics really thought that the role suited her really well. Like, she was able to do a lot more with this different personality. Not necessarily personality, because she's pretty similar to a role, but she's a lot more confident. And I think one of the reviewers was, like, more feral. Mm -hmm. And it just worked well. Like, Mm -hmm. she did good in the role. And I think, I agree. I think it really suited her. And I'm glad, I'm glad she got to get some good content to work with. Because she hadn't for any of the previous movies. Yeah. And I also think, I actually liked Edward this movie. Yeah. I think he was his least toxic. Yep. But I also don't, I can't just, like, push aside everything he's done in this relationship. But I think he was probably at his best. Yeah. In this movie. Also... McGinty is his name. <laughs> he like us on the bug. It's time to play a game with, with your, your favorite, favorite island frog. 
Uh, Troy McGinty Troy from McGinty. Max Keeble's Big Move made the an appearance. Google's is going to get me. He's also in Shameless. He is the husband of the redhead son. But yeah. I agree. There was too many characters. The problem is, is when you have a book, you can have all of these characters and you can flesh them out enough that you, you remember who everyone is and everyone has a personality and a presence. But the problem is, is when you have a movie where you don't have time to do that, you get to pick like two or three, which is why we got an emphasis on the Garrett. Mm-hmm. We got a big emphasis on him. Rami Malek's character kind of got a bigger emphasis as well. He did in the books too. He had a, a bigger presence. But then you just get all these other people who are just kind of there. And then you don't really feel invested because you don't know who they are. I didn't even like remember their names. And it's just a really bloated cast. Mm-hmm. Um, can, we, can we talk about the fact that they yeeted a toddler into a fire? <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh. The fact that Dakota Fanning just yeets a baby into a fire. We were dying. It was so funny. It was so funny. I would just like to kind of summarize, because we've been talking about Charlie this entire time. And, like, this story, I know it's it's Jacob and Edward and Bella. It's, It's about them. But... Charlie, like, it revolves around him. Yeah. The whole reason that they don't leave town and that they don't pretend Bella died is because of Charlie. Yeah. Essentially. Right. And so, I don't know. I just love how he's not always a huge presence in every movie, but he always makes an impact. Yeah. As much as he probably hates Edward at times. Oh, yeah. He's trying to be supportive. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I love Charlie. I really liked Aro in this movie. Mm-hmm. I really liked the character, um, the actor, Michael Sheen. Mm-hmm. And then there was Wesley. He's just, like, a really good role, but his over-the-top portrayal of this old, decrepit, ancient Italian vampire is done so well. In any other movie, I feel like it would have come across as extremely, like, unbelievable and like way too dramatic but the Volturi are these like dramatic old vampires they love theatrics it's like a big part of their identity Mm -hmm. he like loves collecting oddities like the main thing is he wants Alice because she has visions and powers and stuff like that and I just really like him in this movie it's very exposition heavy this, there's a lot of voiceover. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of quick montages to cover time frames. And all right, I think it's time we cover the ending. When I saw this for the first time in theaters, I saw it with my friends before I saw it with you and Tara. Mm-hmm. I was not aware of the fact that this is how they were going to approach the end. Because like you said, the ending of the book was very much like blah. Yeah. And so I remember watching it in theaters and when Carlisle, when he gets like decapitated, like people were like, (gasps) like shocked. And like when everything went down and then when you find out that that was just a vision, none of that actually happened, it was the future. So I thought that they were going to do that. Mm -hmm. 
I remember having discussions with friends because when I read Breaking Dawn and I got to this point where we're assembling armies and we're getting ready and it's going to be an all-out war and the fact that we get 20 pages it's like 20 plus pages of them Voltoria arriving Alice shows up they're like hey look here's another half vampire half human baby and the only person who dies is Arena who's the person who reported this immortal child to the Volturi and then they're just like yeah okay I guess we'll leave now and then it's just like a happily ever after nobody loses anything the stakes felt pointless mm -hmm. you have this massive book it's the biggest book in the series you have all this build up and it felt like such wasted potential that was what ruined this for me the fact that there was this build up and this anticipation imagine if in the last book of the hunger games we get this troop you know who goes into the capital let's say they make it all the way and beat President Snow and nobody dies. There's no stakes, there's no consequences, there's no loss. How horrible that would have been. Mm -hmm. If we don't lose Finnick, we don't lose Primrose, we don't, you know, get all this, like, loss and death. And it's just... I understand you don't need to, like, kill all of your characters for an effective story. But the problem is... You can't do that in a movie. You can't have this this movie with no climax. Mm -hmm. And so I, I remember talking with a friend of mine. I'm like, they have to have a fight scene. Because if they don't, like, people are going to hate this movie. There's lots of people who watch these movies without having read the books. And you can't do that in a blockbuster movie. In ways, I'm glad that they did it. But then I'm also disappointed because I'm like, this is what we could have gotten. We could have had this go down. It just feels disingenuous in a way, I guess. I'm glad we got it, though, because otherwise it would have been so boring. But I think part of the problem is it's believable until it's not. Yeah. In that I would have believed had they had Carlisle die, like, mm -hmm. I would have believed it. But then when all these people start to die, that's when it becomes like, okay, they wouldn't, I don't think they would actually kill that many people. Yeah. And so I don't know if there's a way to go about it, maybe not having as many, or maybe not having as many main people die, because that's what makes it a, a bit not believable for me when you're in the middle of watching it. But I agree. I mean, if you end the the movie the way the book ends, that's that's horrible. Yeah, it's not a good movie. No. And I think part two is better than part one. I would It's more interesting. Agree. It's more engaging. Even though it's not the most interesting of the movies... I think it's a step up, but I think if you don't have that ending, it's not that much better than part one. No, honestly, I think it would be worse because, right. again, you have this climatic buildup to nothing. Right. I mean, there were things I liked. Yeah. I liked the scene when they're working on Bella's projection of her shield <laughs> yes. and they're doing the zapping and yeah. edward just like edward looks at bella the, the, yeah. yeah his looks where he's like i'm gonna go to full percentage and he's just like come yeah. on like please please but i also you know i missed having alice 
She's gone most of the movie. I think some characters are at their best. Like I mentioned, I think Kristen Stewart's really strong. I think Edward as a character is better. Jacob's, you know, I can't really look past the little printing thing. But certain characters are definitely at their best. But the problem is, you know what I don't like? What? Is that a lot of these characters that you've kind of watched throughout don't really get much time and don't get really like a wrapped up ending because I think there's so many other characters brought in. We don't get to see a lot of like the main Colin family minus Edward and Bella. And I mean, you get a little bit of other, other characters. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and not that we need that necessarily, but it's one of those things like TV shows do where you bring in too many new characters and the old ones kind of get left behind. Right. We talked about it with Cora and stuff like that. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's in terms of like an ending of a franchise, like I don't think it's that strong when I think about other things that have shows and franchises that have ended. No, um, I would just I would agree with that. I don't think it's necessarily that strong. Twilight it gets compared a lot to at least in terms of like big budget franchises. The two that come to, the two are Harry Potter and Hunger Games. Yeah, I've already talked about Hunger Games, but Harry Potter is the same thing. You get this all out war at the Battle of Hogwarts, and you lose people. Mm -hmm. You lose Fred, like, Lupin, Tongs, like, his classmates are dying. People are losing their lives over this fight, and this is the same thing. You have this large mass group of people all forming together to fight Voldemort. Like, we did make a comment about how Aro was, like, Voldemort laughing. Mm -hmm. The -the over-the-top dramatic bit. But imagine... You get to this Battle of Hogwarts, and Harry just kills Voldemort, and then that's, it's, it. that, that's how yeah. it ends. And there's no stakes. Yeah. I don't know. I had, like, a like a awakening where I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. this is bad. Right. When I was reading the book, and the movie's kind of the same way. Yeah. You ready to move into... I'm ready. Okay. Uh, CGI, I mean, the baby's still horrible. It's, the baby is still horrible. I think that was maybe my least favorite still. I would agree. I think worst vampire moment. Although I did love Aro, there was, when he met Renesmee, there was, like, this oh, really creepy like, moment where he was, like, like yeah. looking at her weird, and I was like, I don't like this. So, I picked, well, the worst best vampire moment is Jane yeeting a baby into a fire. (laughs) Dakota Fanning just, like, throwing, tossing a ragdoll into a fire was, I mean, it was so bad, it was good. So, that's my worst vampire moment. My favorite line is, they have, like, a Christmas scene, and they're, they gave Charlie, like, a fishing trip and all this, and he's like, I can't remember what he's saying. Oh, do you have it? Okay. Yeah. He says, you two trying to get rid of me? Because it's working. <laughs> and it's just his laugh and his facial expression. And I love that Charlie, he he moved in on Harry Clearwater's yeah. woman. <laughs> Sue, yeah. She's but I widow. love that yeah. Charlie gets, like, his happy ending. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. do, too. Fav- I really liked that line, too. That was your line, right? It was, really, it was delivered, delivered really yes. well, yeah. Favorite song, it's a piano piece that Edward plays with Renesmee. It's called Bella's Lullaby oh. by John Story. Nice. Um, I, re- I just really liked the... Um, the moment and like the peacefulness yeah. of it. So I don't think the scene is that great. I really hate montages montages. But I just really love the song A Thousand Years. 
Mm-hmm. And it plays at the very end where there's this montage where Bella's like, let me remove my shield so you can read my mind. And it's just like a montage of all four movies. And while I hate it, I just really like the song. So I just I just felt compelled to pick it. Yeah, I really didn't need to see a montage of their whole relationship again. Considering we had gotten a montage the movie before yeah. and maybe in this movie as well earlier. I don't remember. Anyway. Yes, so those are my things. Yeah, and that's the franchise. That's the franchise, but oh wait, we have a sixth movie. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> what a twist, Anna. We're like M. Night Shyamalan up in here, but instead of it being Avatar The Last Airbender, we're at six Sense levels here. We're adding a sixth movie. You know, we really lost a lot of our spirit and our souls to watching all five of these movies that we said we need something light something fun kind of funny vampires suck vampires suck i'm gonna guess that a lot of people might not be familiar with this I think so too now the first time i saw vampires suck is at a friend's house it was rented at Blockbuster. Were you with me the first time I watched it? I don't know. I don't remember exactly the, how we found it or how we saw it, but it's essentially along the same vein of Scary Movie where it's a spoof movie of Twilight. It's a parody. It's a parody, yes. So, um, I'm just, I have a little background. Okay. <clears throat> so it came out in 2010. So it came out after, after New Moon. After New Moon. So it only really details the yes, first two movies. The first two movies. It's PG-13. It's an hour and 25 minutes. It has a 4% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> and a 3.4 out of 10 on IMDb. So the um, directors are Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer. Seltzer? Or something like that. he created Hard Seltzer. Maybe. The, them together have done epic movie, Meet the Spartans, and Disaster Movie. Oh, all terrible. So they're known for spoof movies. <clears throat> yeah, they're all terrible spoof right. movies, too. Um, it grossed $80 million worldwide, had pretty much negative reviews, except for, I think her name was Jen Probs? Probs? Mm-hmm. She played Bella. Okay. She earned a lot of praise for her accurate portrayal of Bella's character. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's really well done. The mannerisms, especially. Yes. So I have a little description, okay. since many people may not have seen this. Yes. In this parody of the Twilight films, the material to work with is never-ending. Spectacular casting and spot-on mannerisms are just a start. With the never-ending 2000s pop culture references and iconic lines, you will spend... Wait. Yeah, you will spend an hour and 30 minutes wondering how this film has better CGI than all the Twilight films combined. <laughs> it's such a low-budget film, but the CGI was not bad. The CGI is, yeah, not that bad. I mean, this movie essentially is, for us, for viewers who love to poke fun at this film franchise, yeah. it's like a dream come true. Yeah. Because they're agreeing with, with us and poking right. fun at the things that we've said about this. Yeah, there's so there's a couple scenes that I could not take seriously when we were watching Twilight because I could only think of the vampire suck version. There's 
a scene when Bella arrives where she has this tiny little cactus in her hand and in this movie she like gets out of her car with this like three foot cactus this humongous cactus and then there's a little scene in Twilight where Billy and Charlie get in a little you know they do a little tussle thing and in this movie they just beat the shit out of each other <laughs> and Billy's like kicking him from the wheelchair and I just I can totally agree that this is a terrible terrible movie but some of it's so funny um ken jong plays the character of aro or who's supposed to be aro yes and he has some of the best lines that me and Alyssa. (gasps) i mean we reference to this day we do he's exposing himself what bite the hell (laughs) and um if you listen to last week's episode we actually one of our movie quotes you picked was vampire suck was vampire suck (laughs) look at that look Look at at that um I agree. This movie's horrible, but I think it does such a good job of actually, like, accurately portraying certain mannerisms of characters. There are certain scenes where they don't change anything. They have the same looks, the same mannerisms, the same setup, and the fact that it's comedic says a lot about Mm -hmm. the original movies. And I'll say, like, they really hit you over the head with, like, there's so many 2000s references and like some of the jokes aren't good and some of it's like really cringy for sure but i also think we were so looking forward to watching this we were we were excited more than any twilight movie this was the one i was most excited for and this is the most i laughed like i just it's so lighthearted. it's just it's a good come down from going through all those movies it's a good way to just cleanse yeah one of my favorite scenes is where Jacob is in Belle's room and she's like, why did you take off your shirt? And he's like, because I'm contractually obligated to. And then he just sprays himself excessively with like Axe body spray. And I'm just like, it's it's just like, it's so perfect. Like yeah. so accurate and true. Um, I wrote that the CGI baby was so much better than the CGI baby in yeah, Breaking Yeah, there Dawn. is a CGI baby, and honestly, prefer it. I I would agree. The um, scene with the dad from Wizards of Waverly Place is amazing <laughs> because it's it's he's not a, a fit man. He's no. probably like a forty to fifty year old like average right. dad look, and he's like mixed martial arts, Taibo, and yoga lattes created this. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, yeah, that was just, like, a funny, like, that was probably one of the best done scenes yeah. in the movie. And, I mean, they call it the toxic, toxic relationships. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a good, it's yeah. a good laugh. They're talking about Bella, and it's, like, a girl with a not great personality, but every hot guy finds me irresistible mm-hmm. trope, which I'm like, yeah, she's so bland in the, you know, in the first movie. They bring up the recasting of Victoria. Yeah. There was a mention of that. They talk about Stephanie Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about the, like, there's, like, a part where a bunch of teenage girls are beating each other up because it's, like, Team Jacob mm-hmm. versus Team Edward. Uh, there's excessive amounts of teenage angst. Yeah. Which I'm like, yeah, necessary, necessary. And it's just, like, the cast is so, the fact that it's, like, Ken Jong, like, he carries a lot of this movie mm-hmm. and he's only in, like, two minutes of right. two, three minutes of of scenes you know yeah but you know it's it's not a well done movie no like i would not recommend you watch this like if you're looking for a good quality content but if you are looking for something just like silly and stupid like this fits that bill yeah for cgi i said 
somehow all the CGI is better than Twilight, <laughs> so I didn't really even have a scene. The one I picked is, there's a scene, it's the scene when she gets on his back and it's a piggyback ride, and you find out that he's just on a Segway. Yeah. So I just picked that because it made reference to what I thought the worst CGI scene in Twilight was. A uh, line I had to go with, mm, look at that, look at that. Mm, look at that, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> look at that. Was that yours? Yeah, that was mine too. Okay. Uh, instead of doing a song, I did my favorite pop culture reference. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which was the Dear John reference. Oh, yeah. And they literally had a picture of Channing Tatum. And now that I know that he actually auditioned for a role is kind of funny. Yeah. I, I don't know. There wasn't, like, a lot of real music no. in this movie. There was, like, a part where they're doing the hustle and, like, Bella's dad shows up and they're, like, dancing, like, while holding yeah. her. And I was like, I guess that, or, like, the Raining Men. It's Raining Men's yeah. good, yeah. It's good as well, um, so... Yeah. Instead of doing worst vampire, I did MVP as Ken Jong. Ken Jong is He's the MVP. King. My worst vampire moment is when um, James, or I think he had a different name in this movie, but he loses his fangs oh, yeah. in her arm, and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, like he has no teeth, and he has to like go back to get the teeth. So yes. I said that's the worst vampire moment. Okay, let us rank. Yeah. Oh my God, we're finally here. I did find it a lot harder to rank bad movies as opposed to good movies same yeah same all right um i'll start So you can start if you want number six is breaking dawn part one i think that it's a boring film i think there's so much random stuff going on the stories with jacob and with edward and bella don't blend and i don't like any of the romantic stuff not enough charlie so a lot of people's acting I thought got worse, and it was just bad. Yeah, I also put Breaking Dawn Part 1 as my worst movie, number six. I agree. It's excessively boring. There's not anything captivating. It's just not fun. Like, some of the early movies that were bad, they at least were fun. Mm -hmm. And there were things that I could take from it and, like, laugh at or just, like, have fun with. And this was not one of them. Yeah. Number five, I went with Breaking Down Part Two. Um, I don't really know how to feel about it. I do think it's better than Part One, but I also think it's boring again. There's really no... The action is not even real, and I would have liked to see more death. Yeah, I agree. I put Breaking Down Part Two as number five. It's definitely better than the first part, but it also just suffers a lot from being somehow too bloated. The fact that they made two movies for one book and still managed to make this second part feel rushed and like too many characters and too much exposition is it's hard to like like the movie because of that right number four i went with eclipse i'm very torn on this one because i loved rosalie i love jasper backstory but it's just i can't deal with i just feel ill in the pit of my stomach <laughs> in some of these scenes i think it's it is kind of long. Like, I remember getting halfway through and I'm like, oh, I still got like an hour and a half. Um, there's there's just too much toxic stuff going on. And I just think, because I think the story is one of the strongest, but it, it pulls it all down. So for number four, I put Vampires Suck. As funny and as stupid as it is, it is not a good movie. There's a lot wrong with it. If I'm looking objectively at movies, I was like, I can't rank it any higher than four. So... It just goes there. Yeah. Number three, I put Vampires Suck. The only reason I put it above Eclipse is just the sheer enjoyment factor yeah. I have yeah. from watching it. I agree yeah. with you. It's not a good film, but the fact that I was so looking forward to watching it and it's the most I've laughed at any of these movies, I think is why I put it above. 
So for number three, I put Twilight. I think that Twilight is the worst acted of any of the movies. It's just, there are so many things that are so over the top, angst-wise, direction-wise, and it's, it's so bad you can make fun of it, and there's, there are things that I laughed at, and I think as a movie it doesn't necessarily, like, work super great, though, which is why I put it third. Yeah, I have Twilight as number two. I, I agree. I think the acting's pretty bad. The CGI is pretty bad. It's a lot of fun to watch, though, in the fact that you can make fun of it and the fact that I think it's one of the most rewatchable movies. Mm-hmm. It does feel very low budget, like very like independent film almost, which is not always bad. But I think also this story suffers a little bit as well and like a clear story. Like it just feels incomplete. Yeah. So for number two, I have Eclipse. And I would agree with you that it's hard to overlook the relationship stuff because there are so many problems that make that not enjoyable. But of all of the movies in this franchise, this is the one that feels most like a movie. If you were going to just watch Eclipse with no knowledge of the other movies, like the structure works really well. The pacing's really good there's action like the climax is good as well because in the books we didn't get to see any of like the vampire fight because Mm -hmm. we had bella's perspective so like getting to have that in in the movie was nice but again it's just it is so toxic and it's so hard to watch but i was very engaged watching this movie so number one's new moon i think it's always been my favorite movie I think, to me, it feels really complete as a story. I think it's the lack of Edward is nice. I think that's part of the reason I enjoy it. I like Bella and Jacob's chemistry. I think out of all the movies, this is the one where they have the strongest chemistry. I think it's a big step up from the first movie, which probably pushes it up in my head. As a whole movie, Like it, it does feel like a complete movie to me. Yeah, I agree. I put New Moon as number one. Some of it's probably biased because New Moon was my favorite book. And I agree. I think it's a huge step up from the first movie. It's enjoyable. You know, there was less things that I was cringing at and was like, all right, like, let's move on. Like, yeah, the Romeo and Juliet, the I'm gonna kill myself if I can't be with you is bleh. But yeah, the chemistry between Bella and Jacob is really well done. I like, again, the lack of Edward, I think, definitely helps a lot. Especially after everything with the first movie with him and their relationship just being a mess. And I think just as a movie, I think it just works, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it works pretty well. Yeah. And that was the most painful... Oh, That was painful. The most painful work we've had to do for a podcast yeah i mean the the white claw one was hard because the the amount of bubbling the seltzer running the word i'm looking carbonation carbonation the amount of carbonation that was in my stomach was so (laughs) painful that one hurt a lot physically hurt this one was mentally mental emotionally it was just hard it was hard to get through and now i can go through my life with never having to watch these movies again. I don't think I will. Because I hadn't watched them since I saw them in theaters, so I 
probably don't need to see them ever again. No. It's It's been a time. You know, when we decided to do this, I was like, wow, great idea. And then as it kept going along, I was like, oh, oh no. Oh no. It kept getting worse. <laughs> Just to, to go over the ranking again, starting from number six, I have Breaking Dawn Part 1, Breaking Dawn Part 2, Vampires Suck, Twilight, Eclipse, and then number one, I have New Moon. And I have Breaking Dawn Part 1, Breaking Dawn Part 2, Eclipse, Vampire Suck, Twilight, and New Moon. Yeah, that right. is Twilight. That is Twilight. We... Oh, I'm dead inside. Are gonna switch it up next week? We are. This really sucked my soul out. Yeah. Just like Edward sucked the blood out of Bella. Just like Edward wishes Bella would have sucked his dick. <laughs> she probably did in part one. Um... <laughs> Bella's a modest woman. You think she's doing that? Oh, man. But anyways, we, uh... <laughs> it's ti- I'm tired. If you'd like to let us know your worst Twilight experience, your least favorite Twilight movie, you can send us an email, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. I'd just like to say a quick fuck you to Audrey for introducing this series to me. And fuck you to Tara for suggesting we do this. Yeah, just a real, real F you... Middle fingers up. Middle fingers up. Put him hands high. Yes. Wave it in his face. Tell him, boy, bye. That's what I say to Edward. Boy, bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank Joseph McDade for our intro music. He provides free music available for all kinds of creative use. The song that we used is called Sunrise Expedition, and you can find it and his other music on his website, josephmcdade.com. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at r3podcasts at gmail.com. That's R, the number three, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram by searching research rank repeat.